We are starting a new series uh, today that will go through the end of November, and it's called The Journey of Becoming His from Bondage to Freedom. How many of you have ever felt like you've been in a place of bondage before? Bound by something, kind of imprisoned by something, and how many of you believe that you are on a road to freedom? that you are being set free of those things. So we are all on a journey to become his. It's a capital H, so we're talking about the big guy. And we're going from bondage to freedom, and so looking at that. So what is the win, what is the heart, what is the motive of this series? Number one, we want to bring the Bible alive. How many of you have ever heard a message and they read a scripture, and all of a sudden it comes alive to you in a new way. And, and you see it. That is our hope with this series, that each one of us, not just from what happens on Sunday, but then what we choose to look deeper into during the week, that the Bible's coming alive to us. Not just in hearing the Bible stories, and not just that we check it off the list that we actually read the verses, but that it comes alive and we see how it is still living and it is still an example for each one of us to, to grow from and to learn from in that way. Number two, we want to create a panoramic view of the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the promised land. Okay? So want to look at the overall view of what took place in that journey Number three, we want to create the correlation between the Israelites' journey, oh, here's where it's going to get good, and our what? Our own journey. Not only God's desire to take us from bondage to freedom, but also our response in between. Anybody here ever read uh, the Old Testament, read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you think in your mind... Why were the Israelites so hard-headed and stubborn? And why is it that even though God performed a miracle, that instantly they could turn around and then get frustrated with him and pretend as if like he had never helped them before? Anybody like me in that? The amazing thing, but actually sad thing, is you and I, we respond the same way. And just like the Israelites, he was taking them from a place of bondage and he, was he wanted to take them to a place of freedom. And in there was all their responses. Well, you and I, he's trying to take each one of us from a place of bondage, ourselves, and what we've done and in the way we make decisions, and he's trying to take us to a place of freedom. But in, in between those two, is the way you and I respond in what we do. Last part here is that it motivates us to read that portion of scripture that week, looking for the character of God. We wanna look for the character of God as we read the Bible. So how are we gonna do this? On Sunday, I wanna ask you that you bring your Bible so we can read it together. So for starters, right now, if you do not have a Bible, this isn't a shaming, this is a resourcing, this is an equipping. Uh, if you do not have your Bible on your phone or you don't have a, a paper bound one and you could use a Bible, will you raise your hand so the ushers can get you one? 
Anybody? Just keep it up until they get it to you. They're bringing it. So we're not going to be putting scriptures up front. Why? Because we all want to open our word and practice finding those verses. Remember, there's no shame in having to look at the table of contents to figure out where it is. And no one's looking over your shoulder like, oh, they obviously don't read that often. Come on. We all struggle with it. Um, I'm one of those people where I fan this way, and then I re-fan, then I re-fan. I'm like, I know it's in here somewhere. Was it before Psalms or after Psalms? And trying to figure that out. Um, We're also going to start with one of the Bible Project videos, and that gives a, a quick overview, and and just brings uh, clarity to that portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at. And then we're going to talk through some of the main points. Then during the week, we're going to post on the realm some every day, some additional reading in ways for each one of us to study more and then have some other little videos. The goal is that we're not getting just, it's not just me or whoever's up here uh, giving all the information but this is just the beginning in this week. Each one of us are going into the word and we're studying more and digging deeper into it and looking at what God is doing. Okay. You with me? Yes. Did everybody get a Bible that needs one? Anybody still need one? Okay. Um, all right. So today we are looking at Genesis 12 through 50. That's a lot of scripture, ladies and gentlemen. And we're focusing on the family of God. In this portion of scripture, this is where God starts to establish his family. And uh, so we're going to next week, we're going to be looking at Exodus and we're going to spend two weeks on Exodus and kind of begin to look at that journey from bondage to freedom. But one of the things we need to look at first is how did the Israelites become the family of God? How did that take place? Just one day, you know, what kind of led up to that? Also, how did the Israelites end up in Egypt? Why were they in Egypt? Why why did they become um, uh, uh, captives to Pharaoh? And and how did that take place? And then also looking at were the men and women prior to the Israelites perfect? Were they picked because they were just so amazing and they just always obeyed God and their families were in order. Is that, is that what made them so special? Because sometimes I think we can look at ourselves and think, oh, I get skipped over because I've made this mistake or I've made this mistake. So, all right, before we go any farther, let's watch the, the video real quick. We're walking through the book of Genesis, which is made up of these two main parts. And the first part begins in the garden, where we watch humanity spiral downward in self-destruction. And it ends in the Tower of Babel, where a rebellious humanity is scattered by God. Then the second part of Genesis zooms in and focuses on just one family. And right in the middle is this story what the whole book is all about. So how do we get from the Tower of Babel to the story here in the middle? Well, after the scattering at Babel, there's this genealogy, and it follows one of the tribes all the way down to this one guy named Abram. You probably know him as Abraham. And God starts making all these promises to Abraham, like he's going to bless him and give him a ton of kids. And he says that through him and his family, all the nations of the earth are now going to find God's blessing. So basically, God is trying to restore humanity back to the goodness of the garden and to his arrangements for the world. So it's like his rescue plan for humanity. 
the whole second half of Genesis is about this one family. And so you have Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons. And each generation, God renews his promise to bless them and all nations through them. So because of this promise to use this family to rescue the world, it's pretty easy to read these stories as examples of how to be a good person. But actually, for the most part, this family is totally dysfunctional. So for example, let's go back to Abraham. This whole story is about God giving him and his wife Sarah a family, but two different times. He basically gives Sarah away to other men by denying that she's even his wife. And then Sarah gets impatient about having a son, and so she makes Abraham sleep with her servant girl, which then causes all of these other problems in the family. So they get really old, and you begin to think that there's no way they're going to have a kid of their own. But then, miraculously, they do. It's Isaac. And Isaac, he has two sons, Esau and Jacob, and it seems like things are going pretty good. But Jacob... The younger brother wants the family's inheritance, which belongs to Esau, the older brother. So he devises a plan where he's going to steal it from his father, Isaac, who at this point in the story is now old and blind. Which who does that horrible stealing from your blind father? Yeah, and then he just takes off. So Jacob goes on from there to have 12 sons, big family. But Jacob loves his 11th son, Joseph, way more than all the others. And so he gives him the special technicolor dream coat. And his brothers, because of this, come to hate him. So much so that they plan on killing him. But they don't. They instead just sell him as a slave down in Egypt. Now... While in Egypt, through this crazy series of events, Joseph goes from being in a prison cell to becoming the second in command there. And so later on, the the whole Middle East falls into this food shortage. And Joseph's brothers, they come down to Egypt looking for food. And then when they get there, who should they find as the ruler of the whole land? It's Joseph, that guy they sold into slavery. But... He actually saves them from starving to death. And so here you have it. These are the great-grandchildren of Abraham who have done this heinous act to their brother. But God has transformed their evil into something good. And that's exactly what Joseph says here in the last paragraph of the entire book. He says, you guys planned all of this for evil, but God planned it for good. To save people's lives. Now these words, they conclude the book because they actually summarize the message of the whole story so far. Humans keep choosing evil, and we are thinking they're, they're screwing up God's plan, but he keeps turning their evil back into good. And somehow, he's going to use this family to restore humanity back to the garden. So that's the book of Genesis. But we still don't know how exactly he's going to use this family to bring us back to the garden. Well, yeah, but this is just the first book. So that's what the rest of the Bible sets out to answer. Hey there, I'm Tim. And this is John. how the Israelites came about, how God chose his family, and how they get to Egypt, so that as we go into this next week and really looking at the Exodus and seeing how it all began, we got a framework for it. Now, there was a sequence, and they kind of talked about this in there, a sequence of God making a promise. Again, now, let's always look at this as, as it relates to Scripture in the stories we've read and the stories we know or maybe the stories you're hearing for the first time today. 
but also how it relates to you and I in our personal lives. So there's the sequence of God makes a promise, says who we are, speaks something to us, that we get impatient and do it our own way. Anybody here, like me, ever been impatient and done it your own way? You know, we could, it would be actually a fun service. We would need a little bit of time, a fun day, kind of like a church picnic, but where everybody gets up and gets to tell stories of how they went and did it their own way and it didn't quite work out. Uh, And that would be kind of funny. (laughs) But then how God redeems it. And God is always coming and redeeming us. And that's what we see throughout scripture. You see that with Adam and Eve. You see that with Noah. I was listening to uh, the other morning, I was making coffee and I had, um, I was kind of going through Genesis and I had, uh, forget what chapter it was, but it's talking about Noah and his daughters and some stuff that's going on. And one of my kids walks in and is like, what are you listening to? Uh, Because it was pretty graphic and, you know, they're just going through the story. I'm like, oh, it's the Bible. (laughs) And this, I'm not going to say whether it was one of my boys or girls, was like, uh, was like, are you serious? That's in the Bible? You know, it's interesting because, I mean, you would think it's the word of God, so it'd be like all these amazing people. But no, they are just like you and I, and actually some of them are a lot worse than you and I. And somehow God continues to redeem them and continues to work through them, which should give us a little bit of hope. Um, And you see that even with Abram. And then you see that finally to redeem all of us, God sends his one and only son. Because over and over, we keep messing up. And he keeps retrying to restart it. He has Adam and Eve. He starts that. And then the world starts going crazy. And so then there's the flood. And there's Noah and the flood. And it's kind of like, okay, we're, we're restarting. And then we have Babel. And then it's like, okay, we're going to spread everyone around. And then, okay, we're going to start over. Okay, I'm going I'm to have a family that, that is going to become my example and will begin to bless the nations and bless everyone. And through them, I will reveal who I am. And then we begin to see even what we already heard, all that took place and their reactions in what they did. John chapter 3. Will you turn there? John chapter 3. Believe it or not, we're going to go to verse 16. I don't know how many of you have ever heard John Chapter 3, verse 16. My Bible knowledge is really small, so this is always a safe one to go to. You weren't supposed to laugh at that. Okay, John chapter 3, verse 16. Now I understand we're reading different translations, but let the words come to life to you. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son... So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's not the perfect ones. It's not just a select few. It's not just the ones that have never messed up. But everyone, we all have the opportunity. Every single one of us in this room today have the opportunity to continue to put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
and to believe that left unto ourselves, we go all over the place, but to put our trust in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Okay, the journey of becoming his from bondage to freedom. So here, if you uh, go back to Genesis, which is at the beginning of the Bible, and you're looking at chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, so we have the call of Abraham in verse uh, 1 through 3. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Do you know how crazy and scary that would be? Like he's not even telling him where yet. He's just saying, I want you to pack up and I want you to start going, and I'm going to reveal to you where to go. That'd be like him saying, I want you to sell your house, or I want you to cancel your lease. I want you to rent a U-Haul. Yes, they're extremely expensive. Don't worry, I'll give you money later on. Load all your belongings into the U-Haul, and I just want you to start driving. And I will show you where to go says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Everyone said, oh, I like that part. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here's the call to Abraham. One thing Abram, Abram did do really well is he actually had faith in God and he actually did it. But you think, I know in my life, there's a lot of times where God's called me to do something and I'm like, well, wait, can you show me this first? Wait, can you verify that you're actually gonna be where I'm going? And um, can, can you make sure that what I'm giving up here that I'm gonna have something as comfortable or even more comfortable wherever I'm going to and looking at it that way, but he followed him there. Then if you go to Genesis chapter 15, Verse 12, this is God's, uh, one of his promises to Abraham. It says, as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. So here God is laying it out. And we see it again in uh, chapter 22, where God's saying that all nations will be blessed. In that all nations being blessed, it's not talking about just financially. It's not like, Abram, you're going to be so wealthy that you're just going to give money away. It's saying that God is going to reveal who he is through Abram to where others are blessed. Who else does God want to do that through? Each one of us. He wants to reveal himself through you and I 
Even in our imperfections, he wants to redeem those and he wants to reveal who he is through you and I. Now, if you turn to Galatians, so you're going to the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have Acts, talks about the early church. You have Romans. Then you got the book of love, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Then after that, you have Galatians. And going to chapter 3. Now this one we're going to do kind of confusing because we're all going to read it together, but we're all reading different translations. So everybody there? It's going to be fun. This is, this is what it sounded like at the Tower of Babel. So Galatians chapter 3. Give you a second to get there and you're going to verse 26 through 29. Galatians chapter 3, right after 1st and 2nd Corinthians, right before Ephesians. I was always taught that giants eat peas and carrots. That always helped me know where Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and uh, Colossians are. But anywho, you like that one? It might help you too. That's the only one I know. There's some people that know how to sing all the books of the Bible, but it seemed way too long to get to, to, to Galatians, you know, from the beginning. All right, so Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. Here we go. Let's all read together as we go through this and make it really nice and confusing. I'm going to turn my mic off uh, just so you can actually hear your own voice. One, two. you know why they all at the tower decided to run in different directions and start different countries this is an amazing portion of scripture here though because many times we read about what God said to Abraham and sometimes we can think am I blessed when is God going to call me is is it only a select few that are the family of God and right here we see that there is no longer Jew, which was the, the Israelites and those that were in, in the Gentiles, which were out. There's no longer slave and free, male or female. Every single one of us, say me. Me. Believe it. You. All of us are God's children. And every single one of us has been invited in to the promise of God, which isn't just a lot of land with a lot of animals, I don't know about you, but I really don't want to have, you know, a thousand goats right now. <laughs> but he's inviting us into being used by him in him reflecting his goodness through our life. He wants us to be his family and to call us into that. Like I said, God used a lot of imperfect people. You had lying. You saw it in the video. Lying and it was kind of a half-truth. 
because they were kind of related, but, but he was doing it out of fear and it wasn't a very protective husband move. I can tell you that if I ever introduced Tamar to a world leader and said, no, this is not my wife, this is my sister, there would be some major issues going on in our marriage after that. <laughs> I promise you, she would have words with me about that. So there's that. You have impatient with God's timing and trying like, well, maybe God doesn't know how. He made a promise that we are going to have a child, but he forgot how to make it happen. Or maybe he just forgot about us and he forgot to tell us or whatever. So we better do it in our own strength. We better come up with our own way. You have choosing favorites. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you do, but you should not have a favorite child, okay? Just don't do it. It doesn't work out. But you have parents in there that they, they chose a favorite and they sided with the favorite. You have deceiving over an inheritance and blessing. You have more favorites. You have being sold into slavery. I mean, it goes on and on. It is messed up. But still, God chose to redeem. And again, what we see is God's promise. We see that you and I many times choose evil, but God keeps turning it for good. He keeps taking our mistakes. He keeps taking our mistrust. He keeps taking what we do on our own, and he turns it for his glory. And he figures out a way to redeem it. Over and over, he rescues us. Not just out of situations that are coming against us, but he rec rescues us and re redeems us out of ourselves. And he, he has and he is calling us to be used by him to bless the rest of the world. And just like it says, in John 3, verse 17, that the Son of Man did not come to judge the world, to condemn the world, but to save it. That is what he's calling you and I to do. To walk out of these doors today, to walk into our neighborhood, to walk into our schools, to walk into our workplaces and reflect him. But to do that, we have to believe that we truly are his children we have to believe that we are actually part of the promise. We have to believe that when he looks at us, he sees his son and his daughter and that he loves us. We have to put our trust into Jesus Christ. And from there, he begins to do an inner work and he begins to redeem us where we can then reflect him. So God, one more way he was trying to redeem the world was he picked, he started with a man, Abram, and he just told him, pack your bags. I'm gonna send you somewhere. Abram had faith and did it. A lot of mistakes came up. How many of you have accepted Jesus into your life and then made mistakes afterwards? Okay, so we're in the same boat as him. This is our story too. But God continues to do the work. So through Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's sons, they end up in Egypt. 
Years go by. What began as a good experience becomes a bad experience. And then we see, and what we're going to begin to look at, is how God wanted to take them out of that place of bondage, and he wanted to bring them to freedom. And that's exactly what he's doing with you and I. So if the ushers will come forward and um, set up the communion, we're going to end, and if the praise team will come up, we're going to go into a song, and uh, we're going to take communion. What I want to ask that we do, though, that as you do this, is that as you come up, if you never have, as John chapter 3, as we read that, John chapter 3, verse 16 says that he sent his one and only son, that those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If that's something you've never said, you could be in second grade in this room, you could be 73 in this room. What I want you to know is that Jesus knows you and loves you. You're never too young and you're never too old. You've never not done enough and you've never done too much for him to say, you're my daughter, you're my son. He's calling every single one of us to be part of his family. So we start there. We reconfirm it in our heart. God, I am part of your family. I put my trust in you. But that as we come up and we take the communion, that we're remembering, we do it in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus paid. It represents his body. It represents the sacrifice. But in it, that we make a statement. I ask that you, you, you when you take it, Add in whatever else you want to add in, but you solidify, God, I'm your child. Lord, I am part of your family. Man, some of you need to hear that today. You're not just an observer of the family of God. You're not just coming and watching others that are blessed, but you are in the family of God. You are accepted. You are loved. You are chosen. You're not a mistake. You didn't come off the assembly line and God said, oh man, I was distracted when that one came out. I wasn't thinking about it. No, you are his child. We have six children. There's not one of them. You know, parents sometimes talk about their whoopsie kids and their mistake kids. Not one of my kids. They were all chosen by God. And he made them exactly the way he wanted them to be. Let me tell you, he gave them all different personalities. Completely different personalities. But he gave them his personality that he wanted them to have. And he did the same thing with you. Because he wants to invite you into his family. Because then he wants you to know his love so that then you can take his love and make it known to others. So as we go into this song, I want to invite, we're not going to release you row by row. We're going to do it chaos style because we like chaotic things around here. We like it to be awkward. I'm not going to tell you when to take the cracker or when to drink the juice. I trust that you guys know how to put a cracker in your mouth and you know how to drink juice and you do that on your own. But this is a time for you to solidify that you are his. He does call you his child. 
that you are part of the family of God and he has a plan for your life and he wants to continue to work in you and he wants to continue to work through you. And yes, you are dysfunctional. Say, I'm dysfunctional. But God is redeeming me. And just like the story we heard in there, they had dysfunction, they had mess ups. So do you and I, but God's redeeming us. He's taking us from those things and saying, I have more for you. I believe in you. And he's pushing us towards that. So will you, if you're able, will you stand to your feet? Father, I just ask that as we go into this song, Lord, that you would solidify something in each one of us. That if there are lies that have been spoken over us, if we believe things that aren't true, if we have sometimes uh, maybe uh, just struggled with self-doubt and looked at others and thought, ah, that one's chosen by God, but I haven't been chosen. That today that would be erased in the name of Jesus. God, that there would be a freedom that would come that we would all be on a road starting today a new road, a new path of leaving bondage behind and moving towards freedom in who you say we are. That as we take this and we remember the sacrifice you paid, that it would become solidified in us that we have been chosen by you, that we are part of your family, and that even in our mistakes, God, you are continuing to redeem us and refine us as we continue go to you. Lord, we say thank you. God, we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.